0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The intersection of information and conversation. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk, TNT. Well, hello and welcome to Weekends with Jason Olborn. I've really liked that introduction and it certainly will be an intersection today boy oh boy have we got a lineup for you as we move into christmas a well-deserved break for all and sundry as we get to the end of another year in the battle for what will become of planet earth as the war with the globalists versus the rest of us who are realizing that we don't like what we're seeing and what's being served up for us on today's show momentarily i will introduce to you Havoye morich Anyone who's watching TNT Radio will know that Havoye's show itself is already an institution on the TNT Radio airwaves. And I tell you what, if there's an interview that Havoye hasn't done, I'm not aware of it. I've never known a man so prolific in the amount of people that he can speak to on so many subjects. And today he gets to be the subject of the questions, which is going to be very exciting. Gail McRae is a whistleblowing nurse. She'll be on in the next hour from Florida. And following Gail, we're going to Talk to Barry Nussbaum, who is from Maui. He's also up on a lot of the situation going on in Israel and Gaza. I'm going to ask him some very pointed questions about whether or not the war in Israel leads to a kind of biblical prophecy. And will the Third Temple be part of what is going on over there? Is that how far ahead certain factions are thinking? And in the final hour, Senator Ralph Babette, the Australian Senator from the United Australia Party, will be joining me to round out the year in his eyes, what he's seen and what he's learnt this year, post the referendum failure, as we look forward to what might happen next year. And I'll ask him straight out, does he believe that Anthony Albanese is another one-term Prime Minister in a succession since John Howard became Prime Minister all the way back in 1996 and was taken out in 2007 the last long-term prime minister we've had in this country so let's get on with the show as we see it right now Voye morich is a geneva school of diplomacy graduate former press professor of international relations a proud croatian american mexican and founder of the geopolitics and empire podcast with the assistance of experts from around the world, he seeks to critically analyze global affairs and is devoted to the examination of the perilous truths of our time. And that's just the start of it. Avoye, welcome to Weekends.
1: It's, it's a great to be uh, your subject here, uh, the guinea pig. And I, I very much uh, appreciate, enjoy uh, the work that you've been doing, Jason. And it's great, I think for the first time to, to be speaking with you.
0: Well, well, thank you, um, and I appreciate it. And, and, and the feeling is mutual just watching uh, each day. Uh, incredible work. I mean, do you ever get sick, Havoye? Because you are out there, you work like a machine, and it's just the ability to be able to connect with so many people and bring together new information that we're supposed to know but we don't. And it seems to be that it's up to other individuals such as yourself and all of us here at TNT Radio to bring that truth to the fore. Do you get sick?
1: I do get sick and you know the the reason I've just Talk to so many people it's been born born of necessity right first my podcast and then uh, initially with tnt i was doing three hours daily 15 guests a week and now knocked down to two hours 10 guests a week thankfully <laughs> um i do get sick but i try not not to show it you know i i'm if i i i, I have been sick recently um and a few months back one of my, my my voice went out the last five minutes of my program and my guests had to do the monologue for their I said the segment, so
0: I try my best to stay healthy. It's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people don't fully understand um, the work that's actually involved, the, the, the intricate detail of preparing a two-hour radio show that you do every day. And it's not just a case that these um, guests just find you and are knocking down the door to get on. There's there's a lot more to it. You have to prepare, obviously, and search for the topics of the du jour, the day, what it is that you, that you want to get out there into the collective consciousness and be able to explain to people in new ways. Having said that, when you look, let's see if we took a snapshot of the year that you've seen, are you more pessimistic or more optimistic at year's end to where you might have been, say, 12 months ago?
1: It's a tough uh, question. I, I'm generally, because I'm coming from a biblical worldview, uh, and then there's theology involved there and and um, prophecy. And I, I generally feel that the world and humanity are um, headed on a downward spiral now you know there's a question of how the speed uh, I I don't know but my general personal view is that where we're going is is uh, it's just downhill um from here you know more wars more global tyranny we might have um respites here and there so that's my general view so I'm generally pessimistic um and like one of my uh past guest legal man of the Jones plantation film I'm a huge fan of him his uh, he calls himself cyanide pilled and so I'm picking that up and and I'm considering myself cyanide pilled but you know in in terms of a bit of optimism it it does seem like this project of theirs is taking a long time they have a lot of obstacles the elites to deal with um you know their systems fracture and collapse and so. I think they will eventually build this global totalitarian system, but it will not last for long. I think history shows us that complex systems just, they always, they always eventually uh, collapse. So I'm, I'm generally pessimistic, but um, I think I do what I do day in and day out with a good attitude. I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. I'm joyous. I, I, you know, this attitude, bring it on, you know, globalists.
0: You know, it was actually uh, Australian broadcaster Alan Jones who wrote as a speechwriter for former Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser, and the, and, the, and the quote was, "Life wasn't meant to be easy." There's no reference to that earlier that I can find, uh, I- I- at least in Australia, and and I guess that's part of the point, isn't it? That nothing that nothing that's uh, that's worthwhile comes easy, and nor should it. It's the idea that you know you think that when you're growing up perhaps as a as a young person you go through the education system and one day you discover that there's a thing called a lottery and you realize i could just earn my entire life's earnings through buying one ticket and winning a 20 million dollar payout and that would be the end of it but of course that's you know one in Fifteen million people that that might ever ever occur to two people in the whole Australian population. So you can't go down the idea thinking that you're going to get either a silver spoon um, put into your mouth when you're born or, or be the lucky person. So you at some point in your life, unless you're the one person that becomes the movie star, the tennis champion, the the cricket champion, someone like that, it's just not reality for the vast supermajority of, of the population. And so it is that we we walk down this pathway and and go, what is it that we want to do? And and for some of us, we've ended up in this situation in the last three years that we are now competing against the mainstream media and the narratives that have been pushed on us for so long. Given all of that information that I've just sort of brought out there, Havoye, when was it for you that you realised that there was something terribly wrong and that there was a, a different narrative that we weren't being told? When was your, before your cyanide pill, when was your red pill moment? Going
1: back... um, probably in the two it's hard to say in the 2000s right and again for me it it starts with the bible right age 17 no one pushing it on me i was just bored one summer on the croatian in dalmatia on the croatian uh beach i just flipped open the book and and read it from genesis to um uh, uh revelation but so, you know, the whole prophecy stuff that a lot of people are familiar with, right? Mark of the mm. Beast, um, Israel becoming a state, all of that stuff. And then, you know, falling down the different rabbit, ho- rabbit holes, listening to Alex Jones, uh, Info Wars, reading G. Edward Griffin's uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, uh, learning about the American Empire, uh, false flag operations. So, so somewhere in the 2000s is, is, is when I got. And I had some time in the 2000s where um, um, I had some time on my hands and I literally spent thousands of dollars, um, on books, uh, from Amazon and just went through many books to, and, and having this foundational knowledge, um, from way back when, and, and this is often what I tell people, you know, you can't just live off of daily news bites and different websites. You have to read a lot of, you know, entire books to develop a foundational understanding of the the federal reserve, um, you know, false flag operations, all all sorts of
0: uh, stuff. Really interesting point, isn't it? Because until you get a foundational understanding of what it is that you're trying to work out in, in, in the real world, if you're just following the sound bites, it's like going on a on a road or a destination to nowhere. You don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you come from or where you're headed, you're just out there on, on this particular road. So looking at that then, um, uh the foundational knowledge that 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 was there did you then find with the, with the narrative therefore that um that the biblical revelation as it were has just shown up almost as if that is the highway of life that we're on now was it as obvious as that that you that you saw that that's what was going on that 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 um the bible has laid out a pathway now and it seems to be ticking all the boxes as to the events of, of each day occurring
1: yeah, that's pretty much how I um see it that's been like my guide and you know it's it's not like again it's not like any of us have some special insight it's it's putting in the time to read uh, to learn setting aside you know social media video games, um, getting wasted or whatever other trivial pursuits uh, and 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 learning about how the world works and you know I focus a lot on the world government. And, and globalism because for me that's the most fascinating aspect for me personally you know everyone has the the, the things that they, they find more most interesting but i i stand in awe like how the powers that be um satan are attempting to, const- to, to construct this global you know a babylon project that throughout history has been attempted uh and you know i i did work I was a staff assistant at the EU, at the UN. Uh, I'd go to the old League of Nations building, the UN, in Geneva. I was at the in the in the belly of the beast, so to speak. I, I was at the 62nd World Health Assembly uh, during the fake swine flu pandemic, and so for me it was just fascinating. I've attended the Lucifer Publishing Company, right? Lutz's Trust. I've attended one of their meetings, and they believe that Lucifer is the Messiah, and they're part of they're an NGO, part of the UN, and so. Uh, for me, a lot of this, and I try I try to l- merge the two worlds factually, scientifically, right? The Bible, uh, religion, and history, political science. And uh, if there's something that doesn't fit, I, I try to understand why it doesn't fit. I might discard something. But um, there's so much documentation regarding a lot of the stuff that we're always talking about.
0: It, it, it's it's fascinating, isn't it, how you've just put those pieces together. I mean, you, you've obviously attended uh, these particular UN, UN events. You've realised the, uh, the the determination there of Lucifer, of goodness me, of being perceived as a messiah. Uh, what I found fascinating for mine was that uh, growing up and becoming a, a teenager and a young adult, and like most people in Australia, you go down the atheist pathway uh, and you just it, – it's a bit of – I suppose it's a, it's a form of a nihilism that you just – doesn't quite make sense. And and all of those perspectives, when you're in between self and uh, collective, and You start asking the, the simple questions, well, if, if God were real, uh starvation wouldn't happen, or some justification to be very anti-uh God. And then and then you don't understand that you know, free will, for example, is something that we've all been taught, um, believer or non-believer at birth, that we were given this idea of free will. And so for mine, it wasn't until uh somewhere very late like i had many sort of red pills that my my father taught me a lot of stuff when i was a young kid about how the world really worked it wasn't until i saw the 1991 film jfk that i realized that we were fed a lie all the way up to the u.s government so that was another major point for me september 11 i didn't quite work out until much later until i saw um peter joseph's film zeitgeist uh, in 2008 whilst working an overnight shift in uh, in a TV studio trying to stay stay awake putting um, TV to air uh, and someone said you need to watch this movie that was a profound life changer but then it wasn't until much later until Bernie Sanders was wiped out as a Democratic nominee that I started to put things together from a religious perspective and realized that um, if there is a belief in 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 sa- Satanism or luciferianism, then atheism for mine was acting as a kind of gatekeeper for that. It's like it's like they were hiding themselves. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you that he didn't exist. And so that made a lot of sense to me, and that was when my – defining moment was well if these people believe in, in in Satan then there has to be a God it just has to be the 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 plus minus the positive negative the the spin on this whole thing and that was when everything changed for me from a perspective like you said of being able to put different pieces together and start to see a much larger picture here I find it fascinating that um that we've all arrived in in similar ways. Uh, at at the same point in history and you cannot discount a spiritual connection in all of this one way or another that chimes in with an intuition and it's that intuition I find that is what drives us to want to find more information. You found it through academia and through work. I found it again in in, in different ways Um, uh, but again you have to have some form of background to get you into these scenarios that provide you uh, the motivation and the determination to seek answers where you otherwise wouldn't find it. Because if you knocked on the door of your local MP and said, explain to me how the world works, your MP MPs, well, first of all, going to ignore you. But second of all, probably doesn't even know. And so why do we think that government has all the answers when they can't even answer very simple questions? Now, what we'll do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue on with this conversation here on Weekends with Jason Albon with our very own Hawaii Morridge. You are listening. And watching to weekends on TNT Radio
2: You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks where you go for a walk without your iPhone without uh, a headset and just alone with your thoughts apparently some people finding it quite emotionally taxing but subsequently liberating Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh usually the latest uh taylor swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus we are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um digital company
0: ross cameron on today's news talk radio tnt when you can point me to an industry to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually 9 out of 10 Americans. That's real. That's substantive. That's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live.
1: You are
0: about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom.
1: That's what this country is all about.
0: TNT Radio. And we're back here with Weekends with Jason Olborn here on TNT Radio. And I'm talking with Havoye Morich. You may have been watching his or listening to his shows for the last couple of years. Prolific interview program. It's wonderful, again, to be able to catch up with Havoye. Now, Havoye, moving forward, during COVID, you were... Um, uh moving around the world I, I remember listening in that you were at some stage you were living in croatia and now you're back in mexico what was the reason that you were able to or, or decided to move back to mexico
1: well i i was um in, in kazakhstan more specifically so i was uh, 2017 to 2020 uh, i was in, in in kazakhstan working for uh then president Nursultan nazarbayev technically for the nazarbayev intellectual uh school and then covid COVID-1984 hit, mm-hmm. as I like to call it. Uh, in, in fact, if you remember Spiro Skouros, um, who had a wonderful program, who was twice deplatformed. I was on his program, I think March of 2020, when I started using COVID-1984. Someone actually sent me 20 bucks through PayPal because uh, they 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 they, they had, that was the first time they had heard anyone say COVID-1984. But when COVID-1984 hit, for me that was the moment that said you know my plan was actually after kazakhstan because uh, you know, my contract would be re- renewed yearly and i'd worked there for you know however many years they'd give me it ultimately it had been four years my plan was after kazakhstan to go back to croatia we had a home on the Dal- uh, on the adriatic sea in dalmatia on the coast go back to you know where my forefathers come from and enjoy life in croatia but you know klaus schwab he's got other plans uh and then when COVID hit my interpretation was this there's no pandemic this has nothing to do with public health it's about bringing in this algorithm ghetto as i like to call it this Mm. this digital control system in all nations across the board um and then i just determined because i'm a citizen of three nations u.s croatia and mexico and croatia being in the eu as i like to call the fourth reich Euroslavia, um <laughs> uh, the new European Soviets. Uh, I I thought that, you, that I'd have I could buy more time by going back to Mexico, uh, a little bit more freedom, uh, and then later uh, in in May in June of 2020, I interviewed Edwin Black, the Jewish historian who coined the term algorithm ghetto, and he t- he confirmed my uh, theory. He said that this algorithm ghetto would develop first in the developed countries like united states canada australia new zealand european union and then like wildfires would slowly spread to the rest of the world like like mexico and 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 so forth and so he kind of confirmed my hypothesis and so i decided to run back to mexico we you know we barely made it out of kazakhstan my fear was that i might be stranded there forever because they would keep this biosecurity state in place permanently where you couldn't board a plane unless you injected yourself with the pentagon mm-hmm. juice and so I, my family and I would forever be living in uh in Kazakhstan and that that was you know the reason I made it back to uh Mexico.
0: An incredible story because it's one of preemptive uh, a survival strike if you like because you you read the writing on the wall and you say no this isn't for me and there are many stories of people being able to change the way that they live their lives uh, during that period of time. Um I just want to ask, how did you know in terms of – putting the pieces together and arriving at the term algorithm ghetto and excluding all other knowledge to realise that this must be the pathway to the mark of the beast. Some might say, oh, look, that's a conspiracy theory, it's a confirmation bias or something like that. To people like you and me, it was kind of obvious. But was it that simple or was it just a combination of the work up until that point and, and many other people who you were like-minded with also arriving at the same point? How did you arrive at it? Yeah, it's many
1: things. It's like I said, the foundational knowledge we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, through reading and learning, talking to so many people through my podcast prior uh, to that, um, you know, that year in, in January of 2020, I was the first to interview Dr. Francis Boyle, the author of the Biological Weapons Act uh, signed into law in 1989, I think by George Bush, where he's uh, he said Corona was a bio offensive biological warfare weapon that that interview went viral. Pun intended, um, 300,000 views on, on, on Pentagon tube, it got deleted and then it got reuploaded. I think it was seen by millions. Um, and then, uh, you know, then I talked to William Engdahl, you know, I think March, February, March, 2020, you know, people like Pierce, Pierce Robinson, uh, he came on my podcast and then the times did a hit piece on him using a screenshot of uh, my to chat with him. And so, um, putting all these pieces together and then your instinct you know talking to people on the ground in kazakhstan they were part of the former soviet union so they lived under totalitarian communism and i attended a a baptist christian church there that was a century old and even you know the the russians there the kazakhs the tatars they would confide to me they would say yeah we know this has nothing to do with public health because they they lived under totalitarianism and that's why some of us like croats like myself like russians kazakhs poles like a a canadian pastor archer paulowski who i had on my podcast those of us that have a closer genetic you know history with um fascism communism you know my my grandfather was a a prisoner of the croatian nazi regime for six months he survived um you know my parents lived under the communist yugoslav regime and so we can detect tyranny in a second whereas other people like in Mexico they haven't had these experiences so a lot of people uh complied you know with them with the regime with the COVID regime here and so people in Kazakhstan be like yeah we know this has nothing to do with public health this is this is this is and, and the pastor there would say yeah I think this has related to the end times um and so, yeah, it took a lot of tuition, uh, in, in, intuition to figure that out. And, you know, it was very insane in Kazakhstan. They actually, the government issued every citizen or foreigner a card. So I had, I had I had, a card. I wish I still had it with me, which one day you could not leave your house at all. You were under lock, literally locked into your house an apartment. And then the, the only every other day could one person from the household leave with this card, either to go to the bank, pharmacy or, or, or supermarket. And there were actually police patrols on foot and on vehicle, uh, three police uh, walking together, a trio, um, checking papers, papers please. And, and so, I mean, this was you know, absolute insanity.
0: It's it's offensive to think that you can just change society in such a way to prove your point that this is such a scary thing, that we will do anything, we will change all the rules, we will break all the rules just to enforce this particular idea. It's fascinating that, uh, that you mentioned um, the, the, the connection there with um, being locked up, et cetera, and the Nazi regime. My own grandfather was um, held up in a Siberian concentration camp for many years for protesting against communism in Russia um, back pre-war, and he managed to escape uh, and uh, run back to Russia. He met my grandmother and uh, became a refugee landing in Germany, uh, quite incredible, where my mother and my uh, uncle were born in the mid-40s before uh, coming to Australia. They were waiting to uh, to get, they were given, uh, there was three choices they were told about. One was to be able to go to Morocco, which they didn't want to do. Another one was the United States. And then Australia popped up and said, yeah, we'll take you. And they jumped on the next boat and arrived with four suitcases between four people. My mother never knew a cousin or an uncle or an auntie it was just the four of them, and that's how they survived, staying in a, a Bathurst, uh, which is in uh, in New South Wales, a, a country town in a refugee camp there for six months or so before they eventually got out and settled in a southwestern Sydney suburb of Liverpool where my grandfather became a, a watchmaker and a jeweller, and to the day he died, he never learnt to speak English in Australia. When my uncle used to say to him, Pop, why don't you learn to speak English? And uh, and he only ever spoke Russian. And he said, ah, English. He said, never catch on, and that was, uh, that was his way around it but he just never wanted to do it and just that's how they assimilated but uh quite incredible my uncle went on to become a a lawyer my mum was a nurse and uh and and that was just what you did but quite incredible again as you said to be able to sniff tyranny where others can't but what I don't get is how my brothers for example didn't smell it the same way that I did and chose to go down the pathway to believe what was going on I find that fascinating that within certain people within certain families despite an upbringing how again some people get it and some don't maybe that's why this has been so effective it's uh it's it's quite disturbing in many ways to think that you can't break through with your own family, that your family will take the side of of, of the government over their own family members. That might be just a, a case of Western society, might be a case for all societies. But um, just thinking about that, though, now I, one of my brothers is starting to uh, ask questions and listen. And I find that fascinating that uh, we've got to a point now that uh, there is a change in the system. And so it is that uh, this is part of the work that we do here on TNT Radio is to be able to provide uh, important information at the cutting edge of of what's going on in the world right now but also to be able to relate it back because there must be more and more people every day looking for resources to be able to understand what's been going on and why things never added up the way that they have have you had experience that you're starting to notice that people who were once resistant to what you might have said are now a little bit more observant and trying to listen in or even ask you questions
1: I think so. I would like to think so. You know, just going back to Kazakhstan for a moment in 2020. So I, I had been teaching, uh, you know, since 2010 at the top high school and university in Mexico. And I was the conspiracy professor. I was teaching economics, history, political science. Uh, I, even at that time, I was Skyping in Daniela Ganser into my classroom. Lord Christopher Monckton, who I just saw was with Mark Murano. Uh, recently on TNT radio. So, you know, 10 years ago, I Skyped Christopher Monkton into my class. I taught environment and international relations. He, he talked for two hours with my students who, who mostly were leftists who believed the official narrative. Um, but during COVID, all of a sudden, I'm getting, and I, I barely use even like Facebook. I, I don't, I no longer use WhatsApp. And so I'd get WhatsApp messages, Facebook messages from former students. And, you know, for those 10 years, I was this crazy conspiracy guy, la, la, la. And all of a sudden COVID happens and they're like, what professor, what's going on? You were right, you know, because I was talking about this global dystopia that would come, this technological control system, you know, a decade before COVID, doing world government. And so kind of, as you point out, and even during COVID, a lot of my Mexican NPC neighbors or friends, um, I told them before they initiated the lockdowns in Mexico, uh, I told them yeah they're gonna do it they're gonna do this 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 and this and then it happened and then later they were like you were right and that gives you then some uh, authority so if if you can to, to to you know the your npc normie uh friends neighbors family families accurately project the future you know it so it takes some time it takes some patience mm-hmm. if if you can do that then when all of this happens they're like this guy can't be crazy because his hi- hypothesis is proving to be correct so there's got to be something Um, He's got to be right on some things. But, you know, even last night here in Mexico, I was arguing with some uh, family members and friends who were fully bought into the green agenda, climate change. And so it's 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 still it's still quite a struggle.
0: It, it certainly is, and that's a really interesting point. Climate change is one of those subjects that, um, that after we've gone through three years of COVID, it's the idea that when you resist in in a public situation like that, particularly around loved ones that have known you for your whole life, that they make two assumptions: either I'm completely wrong, even though I was; that they might say I was probably a little bit wrong now about the COVID narrative, but I'm buying into this climate change thing. And it's whether or not they look at you and believe that you're just a contrarian, that you're just against everything that's ever put out there. And that, again, it's yet another form of obfuscation that allows them to be in another step in towards denial. That was the point I was trying to get to there, that it seems that that all these things are certainly related We've got uh, footage of that fellow from uh, CNN on that um, Project Veritas video saying that after COVID is done, we're going to jump onto the climate change agenda, uh, almost as if. He thinks that CNN has got this special role in the world to play, which, for mine, just says that this is an Operation Mockingbird trademarked business here, and this is what is coming down in our four a.m. Uh, meetings, and this is what we'll be doing, and it trickles down into the um, into into the staff there at CNN. Okay, we're, we're over with COVID. We can't get any further with that. Let's hit the climate change uh, narrative here. Now, that's where we go forward from this point: the climate change narrative, the food narrative, the the um, uh, the, the, the the potential famine that may come if, if all of a sudden here in Australia there's talk of putting mRNA vaccines into cows for two diseases, one of them lumpy skin disease and some other disease, something very minor uh, but that's going to be the justification and it's almost as if you expect that um, the price of beef will uh, will rise astronomically as, as less cows are, are alive to be um, sold to market, so to speak. So that's another situation that we're looking at in the future. Um, and you did say yourself earlier that you expect that that somewhere along the line here, the people will work it out and resist. At what point, do you think that something like that would be a trigger i mean we speculate on all this stuff do you think it'll be when there's no food do you think it might just be when people realize that their cash is no longer accepted at the shop that they want to spend it at what type of because it's often not what you expect it is i thought that you know trying to vaccinate every single person in the world without with it being an experiment might be a, a moment but that was just a bridge too far yet all of a sudden there's a lot of resistance when the price of people's rent goes up or the price of their mortgage goes up because of an interest rate rise that changes things it's like one direct consequence is enough but which one is it how do you expect we might stumble across it and we wake up one morning and go hang on a second how come all the people are now thinking like we are what might be such a trigger
1: well um i'm not so confident we may reach such a trigger like when we look at the digital um aspect even here in mexico i see all i just read you know target uh, will be entering you know the american um very popular american shopping um mm. store uh target will be making its way into mexico now uh you got all over the place you got starbucks you got kfc you got amazon you got costco you got walmart um it's, it's almost like living in the U S now here in Mexico and people just, they love this comfort. They love the digitalization. Uh, there's, you know, places now where it's just QR code menus here in Mexico and, and people just lap it up. And so I, when it comes to like the cashless system and the digital ID stuff, I don't see much resistance. That's my fear. But, you know, if, if it comes, you know, usually when it's when, um, you know, with the French revolution, they say when, when people spend 40% uh, or more of their, the money, income on food that's when you get to like re- revolution level so and like Gerald Salente says if, if if you got nothing left to lose you lose it uh so th- that could be a crisis uh point you know here here's an example just two weeks ago here in Mexico I forget the name of the town I think it was in the state of of, of Mexico and there was a small town that kept being extorted by cartel members uh, cartel members and um criminal organizations and they, I, I don't, I don't know ex- exactly all of the details, but I think they, maybe they had called all of the, 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 the town into the plaza, for whatever reason. Basically, a lot of people came into the plaza, and they had had enough of being extorted, and they didn't care about dying, and they went at it with machetes, with the cartel members, with guns, and they got like a, killed half a dozen cartel members, and cops, the authorities came like hours later, because the authorities are colluded with the cartel members and mm. the people just had enough. Like, we don't care. We're, some of us are going to die, but we're not going to pay any more money to you and so I think that that was a perfect example of what you're uh, asking now. So when it gets to that point of they were overreaching the cartel members in terms, you know, they'll ask the it's like mafias back in the day. They, they would ask a monthly fee from business people, even from people just who don't even have businesses, like 10%. I don't know the percentage, but they could be asking 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%. And at some point, you know, you reach that like I'd rather die than uh, be subject to
0: this. No, indeed. Now, we're going to take a, uh, a a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Cavoye about being on the Mexican side of the, of the obviously, of the US border, how it is that uh, that particular border crisis and how he sees that. What we'll do is we'll take that break and we'll come back and explore a little bit more here on weekends with Jason Olborn on TNT Radio. Give Me a Minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Folks, this happened a few weeks ago, but it's such a heartwarming holiday story. I want you to watch. New York Mets superstar Pete Alonzo has a foundation that helps veterans. Here it is. Pete Alonzo, his wife, the Alonzo Foundation, obviously was influential in helping. Oh my God! I mean, you never know who's watching in New York City, right? right? Maybe no. he's watching today. If you could say yeah. anything to Mr. Alonzo, what would you say to him yeah. right now? If you could look...
2: Oh, Sean. Thank, thank you so much. You, you saved my life. You saved my... Hmm?
1: Sean, we have a...
0: How about you look to the right? Holy <laughs> 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 We're on a delay. <laughs> hey, how are we doing? No. How's, it, how's it
2: going? Aww. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Thank gonna, you yeah. so much. Yeah, so we have a gift for <laughs> okay. you as well. <laughs> What's up, parents? That, that was our special moment. Absolutely. You can see. Yeah. But, Hey, good Good to see you again. What's up, stud? And then uh, we also have a signed app for you as well.
0: (sighs) That's Uh a lot to take in. What a great story. Thanks for watching. I'm Steve Malzberg. Thanks for giving me a minute. And don't forget to catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT.
2: When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel ordered a coffee, but while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a Widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. (laughs) Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you discussing local, national
0: and international issues. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to Weekends, and we're speaking with Havoye Morich, who is, of course, our TNT interviewing superstar. Havoye, out of all the people in the world that you have interviewed, I remember I've seeing one of your podcasts and you interviewed Sean Stone. Um, and that was a, a really interesting uh, take because Sean of course is the son of Oliver Stone and uh and that again is just uh, one of those people that um broke new ground as it was in the JFK uh movie and of course 30 years later with the uh, JFK revisited documentary uh quite riveting in in um what we're seeing and it's it's another story that has yet to be answered, and if it is answered, and that is that the conspiracy took place and it wasn't a lone gunman acting alone, makes no sense, that if that were the case, that would be a catalyst for people to realise that they've been lied to for an entire lifetime, 1963. We're 60 years down the track, and it's a story that just won't go away. Have you ever interviewed Oliver Stone?
1: No, I haven't had the the opportunity to interview uh, Oliver Stone, but I'm a big fan uh, of his...
0: And is there anyone, do you think, that would be on your list for next year to say, yeah, I think I might like to interview that person?
1: There always is. um, But, you know, I I feel blessed because I've been able to either interview or meet in person most of my heroes. You know, a decade ago, um, G. Edward Griffin took me out to lunch a long story uh i spent a day with daniel eschelin of bilderberg fame here in mexico organized a conference for him met ron paul this year had him on my podcast um interviewed william engdahl over a half a dozen times a huge fan of his his books paul craig roberts so many times and just i for, for me i'm like i've i'm done like you know i've, I've <laughs> I, i'm happy i'm like I, i've rounded out most yeah. of it but th- th- there are you know some people that i've tried to get on like i'm i I really enjoy the work of the russian intellectual andrei fursov um and i he he was gracious enough to kindly reply to me saying sorry i'm i'm busy and uh he he, you know he he had many interview requests from russian media that he hadn't fulfilled and so um you know i I haven't been able to interview him yet uh and you know a few folks like like that yeah it's
0: fascinating isn't it because uh it's obviously a, a part of what we do in our roles is to be able to speak to people that are obviously interesting uh, and related to the news of the day. And of course, you always look forward to to that next great interview. But equally, everyone has a story to tell. And that's what's quite incredible about the role that we do, because you might speak to someone today, and in a year's time, they have a completely different story, new developments in people's lives. And it is that inspiration in, in, in Allowing people and providing them a place to tell that story that uh, it it obviously motivates other people. Now, we've touched on uh, Croatian background, Mexican background, but we haven't really talked about your American background. What I'd like to do is ask you, how come you can live in Mexico and you don't want to cross the border into America? What's wrong with you, Havoye?
1: I mean, I I do go from from time to time uh, to the I do visit the United Soviet States of America, as I like to call it. (laughs) Uh, I I do make ventures into the empire. I'm living on the outskirts of empire uh, right now. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm born in Chicago, uh, Illinois. But I just and I talk about this frequently with Mexicans here, uh, Mexicans who've lived in the U.S., with foreigners, with Americans. And I just have this gut feeling. I just I don't feel comfortable anymore in America. In in some ways, I feel kind of spiritually uh, oppressed. You know, one of the reasons I left was because I feel that it's one of the places that's got the highest level of temptation to to sin, Mm -hmm. from my view. You know, um, just a lot of... uh, I know just just, it's just it's like candy like disneyland and and, you know i kind of wanted to seek a god and and get away from a lot of those temptations And i I went to the gobi desert right mongolia as far away i could from civilization and so yeah i don't know i just kind of feel i enjoyed life in mexico much much more it's more i feel people are more authentic here still big family uh, oriented uh, lower cost of living and sunny every day and 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 that sort of stuff so yeah i still don't feel like returning to the U.S. But, you know, it's it's an individual uh, thing.
0: Do you hold hope that there can be change in the U.S. after the next election? It's a tough question.
1: Um, I think there's always hope. Hope is never lost. Um, I, I don't pretend to know. Again, you know, d- despite what we talked about prophecy, who knows what's going to happen? You know, there's talk about the balkanization of the United States you know Igor Panarin this Russian academic 10 years ago posted this map of the you know dissolution of America into five parts other people have done that um I do foresee you know a potential civil war scenario at least that's what some people want some of the elites maybe it won't happen maybe America there will be a resurgence um you know being myself a former professor of history it's just it's it's really hard to tell And and I'm willing to say things can go in many different directions you know there are many factors you've got the aristocracy different financial oligarchic interests who sometimes between themselves compete. like we saw with the civil war the British Empire had wanted to break uh America to to, to, to retake it uh and so yeah there are many different plays uh at hand and so uh you know I'm not going to throw in the towel just yet
0: do you think in everything that you're observing here if there was one just one truth that could come to the surface that you believe we're not being told, could you identify one truth perhaps that would, that, that would be the one that you would call on if you had one wish to, to get something like that to happen? What would you want to know? Are,
1: are you speaking like in, in secular terms? I, I, I guess like, what
0: you well, you mean I, like, I, I guess we could, that, that's a probably a, a nice way to start and we can obviously, um, advance that, but I think that's probably fairer. Oof! If you
1: think about all of the stuff from, JFK, right, 911, mm. COVID. I think at this point in time I personally would want maybe the COVID stuff mm. to come out because I feel, you know, many people that I've spoken to as well, they would say there's a common, you know, Ed Curtain who I've had on the sh- uh, TNT show on my podcast. I think there's a thread that connects JFK, 911, COVID 911. Mm. Uh and you know, I, I I've had this thesis, and other some of my guests have as well, that the people who perpetrated 9/11 are, are the same that perpetrated COVID 9/11, mm. and that mm. it was like phase two of the same program because you get the you get the the Patriot Act and the security states uh, as a result of 9/11, and then you get the biosecurity state. It's like level two uh, of, uh, after uh, COVID, and I think um, it's and, and I think it's it's the biggest tyranny that we've seen COVID COVID. You know it, it goes far beyond 9 11 or jfk i mean it was global in scope and i interviewed mark faber the famous swiss um um in, in, investor on my podcast and he he made a good point from a, se- a secular point of view that it's unprecedented, unprecedented in human history COVID, like that all countries on the planet did the simultaneous totalitarian thing. Whereas, you know, in previous history, you you didn't have empires that covered the entire globe. You might have one section of the globe fall under tyranny, but never where the entire planet in unison um, did this tyranny. So I think, I I guess I'll I'll go for COVID.
0: No, it's, it's it's really interesting, isn't it, the perspective because it feels like it's a house of cards because if one or, or a Jenga deck, if one block is taken out, the whole thing falls apart. Just on the idea there that the whole world fell in unison into this COVID spell, if you will, that everyone just followed down the same narrative. For mine, it's said that there must be enough people that are somewhat compelled to take part, perhaps compromised is the reason that uh that that you could have such a a a total stitch up of the planet how how is it possible that nobody resisted nobody said you know what we're gonna we're gonna be fine on on our own here we're going to introduce um appropriate um uh, therapeutics uh in the in in the lineup perhaps if this um you know this one size fits all solution of a preventative medicine is finally released but no one went down that pathway maybe a little bit from sweden but it was nothing that, that that got anyone else to say hey that 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 makes a lot of sense here. And in terms of compromise, I look at it and wonder, very much so, if the the whole Jeffrey Epstein story is one of these examples of how it is that uh, you can create compromise in the world. And could it, in fact, be just that simple? What are your thoughts on Epstein?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think this is where we also get maybe a little metaphysical, uh, spiritual, that there are dark forces and dark networks um at play that that's span the globe and you know one memory i have from geneva uh i studied a, a master's but one of the bachelor students who was from africa gabon you, you know and i talked a lot about freemasonry and this sort of stuff because a lot of the people you know a lot of these elites are freemasons among other um, memberships and i view freemasonry as you know it's 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 part of that metaphysic it's that part of that interface with the prince of the power of the air right the supernatural satan and um the powers that we see of nation states and beyond and um one of my the, the student from gabon said you know for example his uncle wanted to run for local political office in gabon and if he was not a freemason he could not uh do that and so you know when it comes to epstein yeah, most definitely. Maybe that's more focused in the western part of the world. The, the That Jeffrey Epstein type of sexual black, black male. Um, you know, here in Mexico it's more like, if you don't do, we do what we say, we're just going to kill you and your whole family. Yeah. You know, that type of black male just assassinate you. And, and, and you know, I since COVID I, I, when I came back from Kazakhstan, one thing I realized, the governor of, of the state where I live, Jalisco, I, I, I could kind of here under the curtain and I realized because I, I learned that the city that I live in is a resilient city and I'm like what's a resilient city and I I found the actual government white papers from the local government here and international papers and it's basically I'm living in a smart city and it mm-hmm. says resilient cities are financed by the Rockefeller Foundation uh, because I came back and they were building out all this public transport infrastructure, which I had never seen before. I don't know where they got the money for. for you know, I've, I've been in Mexico 10 years prior to that. And I, I what's going on here? And then I realized all that money is coming from the Rockefeller Foundation and all that. And so I'm realizing then this governor, he's implementing this globalist project. He locked down. He's implementing the smart city. So then how is he being motivated to do this? And so I think he's captured somehow at the, you know, at the state level here in New Mexico by these elites. And so is he has he really drunk the Kool-Aid? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe he's just naive and he's like, I don't know what to do. These NGOs and you know, McKinsey consulting firms are handing me these globalist projects. And I guess I'll just implement them, you know, mm-hmm. and I've met a lot of upper class uh, Mexican elites, li- liberals. They really believe this UN SDG stuff like they really believe it. So you've got, I think, a portion that believes that uh, another portion that they're happy to just take money and do whatever they're told. Uh, And then others where we get more darker, where maybe they're blackmailed sexually um, with money or we're going to kill you if you don't do what what we say. You know, we did see some of the presidents during COVID just get whacked. Right. Haiti, uh, African leaders, Lukashenko said the IMF and World Bank came to him. And said, uh, "We'll give you all this money if you lock down." And he's like, "No." So, and then they tried to regime change him, and it was not successful.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, that's a very good point, and, and that uh, recollection. Of- Havoye is is absolutely imperative that there are people like yourself that are able to recall that stuff and uh and i would completely forgotten about lukashenko until you reminded me uh and and isn't that an interesting suggestion there that uh if you follow the money trail it's not long before these poorer countries are uh, putting their hand cap in hand and asking for money we've seen what's happened in pakistan uh a horrible situation there it's like no prime minister in pakistan finishes their term in office it just doesn't happen you've got imran khan currently Sitting in prison, um, uh, who who is in prison on a charge? Not, the conviction that they did on him for selling state uh, state gifts was overturned, but they locked him up, um, waiting for a trial based on leaking state secrets, which happened to be a cipher or a document, a, a telegram that said that um, the US government had asked for a vote of no confidence in Imran Khan after he'd visited Russia at, uh, following the uh, the start of the Russia-Ukraine war. So they couldn't get Imran's support um, for the war, the US war uh, with Ukraine. So they decided to throw him out of office. So he's sitting in prison. The previous prime minister was um, also convicted. He's now back in Pakistan, but he's not allowed to run based on his conviction and he was three times a prime minister in that country and three times his his terms were cut off. It seems impossible that you could even live in a situation like that, but somehow this information doesn't seem to permeate down to the people and spark a a complete revolution. It's always like the powers that be can still control, whether it's through money supply, through military or some other arrangement. And that's why I think there is such an enormous significance if we can understand how it is that, um, that this compromise system works. And I feel like, January 1, hopefully with the release of say 160 or 170 names of Epstein Associates, it may well be the start where the mainstream media starts probing and asking questions. But I don't hold out a lot of confidence that that, for me, provides an enormous opportunity for us here at TNT Radio and other independent news sources to be able to really dig in in that scenario. Does that give you confidence that uh, in our roles here, at least, that um, next year is going to provide enormous. Skype for a lot of news that will break in areas that we've been focusing on already for a very long time
1: in some ways i fear all hell will break loose in in 2024 and so we're seeing now some of the signals being put out with hollywood films um just talk you know canadian politicians like melanie jolie talking about hey there might be authoritarian regime in america you know civil war cyber attack cyber polygon um all these uh, wars sprouting up across the planet the 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 corruption uh the the litigation whether it's covid that's still ongoing or Epstein related issues and 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 whatnot and so yeah yeah unfortunately I think it's just gonna be um what you might call can we say watershed uh, here
0: Yeah, look absolutely and uh, i'm not sure if you saw it but our very own chris smith put out a wonderful video that you can catch on our website or on our twitter page or x uh, that explains what he's looking uh for next year predicting that 2024 will be the biggest news year yet and it just seems that that will be the case because the establishment is on the ropes and uh there is a growing amount of people in the us and around the world that have simply had enough, realizing that things don't add up. We've reached the end of of our hour, Havoye, before you go, I just want to say, look, Merry Christmas um, to you and and your family, and thank you for providing all of us uh, an incredibly entertaining and informative uh, double hour each day. I know how hard that is to put together, but I really look forward to next year, to uh, maybe having some more of these chats on on this show on the weekends, or just following along with the work that you're doing, um, because it is just a, a wonderful, service and quite incredible and I didn't get to ask you if you'd ever return to academia a quick yes or no do you think you'd ever do that again if I can avoid it no I don't want to go back okay I understand I fully understand on that note we'll say goodbye to Havoye Morich we'll be back after the news headlines with a whole lot more here on weekends with Jason Olborn on TNT radio